listening to the home of cool, irreverent, and entertaining talk right here on L.A. Talk Radio. You're listening to The Art of Love with your host, Lucia, right here on L.A. Talk Radio. Welcome to The Art of Love. My name is Lucia. I'm your host and a dating and relationship expert, and I'm here to entertain, educate, and enlighten you about love, dating, and relationships. Take your live calls, answer your emails, and speak to authors of books which I find interesting. And as usual, I've done it again, if I may say so myself. I have yet another interesting guest and he is calling in all the way from Australia. So we get to hear a uh, lovely Australian uh, accent today. And uh, the book is called Get the Man You Want. So this book is for all women and for gay men. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> or maybe it is. I don't know. All right. Hey, Patrick, how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing great. Thank you, Lucia. How are you? Wonderful, wonderful. Thank you for calling in all the way from Melbourne. How's the weather? Uh, it's, it's winter here, so it's the opposite season, so it's quite cold, actually. Oh, it's winter still there? Yeah, you, you know, what everyone forgets is that down under is literally the opposite in season. So, right. you know, I just left L.A. about a week ago where it was, uh, you know, close to 100 degrees, and now I've come down here where it's almost minus 100 in the sense that it's cold. Anyway. Right, right, exactly. Well, well, let me give you uh, an introduction and then we'll get started. So, uh, anointed the woman expert by WGN Chicago, Patrick Wanis, Ph.D., is a renowned celebrity life coach, human behavior and relationship expert, clinical hypnotherapist, and author with extensive credits worldwide. Wanis is the first person ever to do hypnotherapy on national television on the Montel Williams show. He is the human behavior and relationship expert for Playboy Radio's Afternoon Advice Show, a regular contributor to Cosmo Magazine, my Bible, and the weekly analyst on celebrity behavior for the New York Observer. So that is quite a resume. Um, who is your book, Get the Man You Want? Who is that for? Um, it's really for women that want to not just find a man, but have a great relationship with a man. Um, even a woman that's in a relationship can learn a lot from this book because what I teach, which is ultimately whatever you want in life, it's not about changing the external. It's about changing yourself. It's about making changes internally. So whether you want a better job or whether there's something you want to achieve or you want to make more money or have greater success in the area, any area in your life, you start with yourself. And the same applies with relationships because I teach that every relationship begins with you. That means the more you like, love, and respect yourself, then the more that others will like, love, and respect you. And if you don't love, like, and respect yourself, then the love you give is needy love. You know, it's a desperate attempt to fill an inner emptiness. So any woman really will benefit from this book as she learns more about herself and more about men. Right. And do you think probably in a lot of the cases in romantic situations, there is a lot of this needy love going on? Well, needy love occurs in not just in romantic situations, but even sometimes in familial relationships, you know. Um, the, the problem is that we're often thinking, specifically when you talk about romantic relationships, we think about what can the other person do for me? Right. Rather than how much can I love this person, you know, can I get to the place of unconditional love? Yes, that is the goal, but uh, it seems so elusive for everyone because everyone is obviously, of course, thinking, well, what can I get out of this? Exactly, and that's that's the very point that I'm making here is that often when we enter into relationships and we're only thinking about what can I get out of this and how can I feel and what can you, the other person, do for me, then we're no longer coming from an authentic place. We're not, we're not expressing love from our heart. We're almost like playing a tactical game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know all about that. So then are you saying go into a new situation thinking what can I give to you and not have any expectations in return? 
Well, that's a really interesting question, and I think it's a valid question that seeks the answer of balance. You know, you can't be the martyr that says, well, all I'm interested in doing is giving and never receiving anything. Right. And the other extreme is, the other extreme is, well, you know, I have no expectations whatsoever, which therefore means I'll let this person, male or female, treat me in any way they want. And it's not about that. It's about the balance of, if you have expectations the other person's going to be perfect, or the other person's going to make you happy because you're not happy in yourself, then you're obviously setting yourself up for failure. It's, it's what I call... Um, symbiosis. Mm. You know, most of us think in terms of relationships as parasitic. What I mean by that is that if I'm a parasite, then I'm feeding off you, and that's all I'm doing. I'm not giving you anything. But a symbiotic relationship is where, I, where we're both mutually benefiting each other. I'm loving you, you're loving me, we're helping each other. We're helping each other to grow, we're supporting each other, etc. If we enter into the relationship thinking that all that I care about is what am I going to get out of this, then we're never ever going to be happy. We're always going to be let down and we'll be dumped, male or female, because the other person eventually gets tired of just giving and never receiving anything. Right. Now, you mentioned... So it's the balance. Yeah, life is, all about, life is all about balance. Now, you mentioned a few minutes ago about, okay, you have to love yourself before others can love you. So you always hear that, but exactly what does that mean? What does that look like when someone loves themselves? That's a great question. I just want to add something to it. I also teach that no one will ever love you more than you love yourself because you won't let them. So let me explain this. Um, if you don't have respect for yourself, if you don't have high self-esteem, then you'll let someone in a relationship treat you poorly. But if you have self-respect and self-esteem, you'll stand up to this person, um, not necessarily confrontation, but you say, do you realize what you did was wrong? Do you realize how it affected me? Do you realize how it hurt me? If the other person has no interest in how it affects you or how it hurts you, and you respect yourself enough, then you'll know when to walk away, rather than thinking like most women who are in abusive relationships think, which is, um, oh, it must be my fault. What can I do to make him happy? I couldn't. I need to love him more. Um, he's already tired and stressed out. It's my fault that he's hitting me. That's probably the extreme example of a woman that doesn't love, like, and respect herself, and so she therefore allows the man to be abusive. Another example that I've had with clients is where, you know, the woman says to me, it could be a boyfriend, it could be a husband, who turns around and says to her, oh, you're lucky to have me because no other man will have you because you're fat and ugly and stupid, and he proceeds to put her down as a way to control her. Now, if she doesn't have a healthy self-esteem and self-respect, she'll allow him to keep treating her that way rather than either standing up to him or walking away. Does that make sense? Oh, of course, absolutely. So then, okay, so, you know, the buzzword here is obviously always self-esteem. What is it and how can someone raise their self-esteem? Yeah, well, there's, there's, three, there's three sort of keys to self-esteem. Self-esteem primarily is how much do you like yourself? How significant do you feel and how capable are you? or how capable do you believe you are. How much you like yourself means, you know, are you, are you full of guilt? Are you full of resentment? Are you full of shame, humiliation? Do you blame yourself for something in the past? Uh, do you think you're a bad person? Do you think you deserve to be punished? Do you think that, you know, you're ugly or stupid or dumb or you're a failure or you're a loser? Now, these are all obviously extreme questions, but you'll be shocked when you sit down with someone and ask them these questions and uncover the truth. Most of us don't think we're good enough. Mm -hmm. The next part of, you know, so step one, how much do you like yourself? How capable are you? What are your talents? What are your skills? What gift do you bring to the world? Um, women have a greater challenge because we expect so much of them. We expect them to be physically beautiful. We expect them to be, you know, intelligent. We expect them to have a great personality. We expect them to be a great housewife. We expect them to be great in bed. We expect them to be successful in career, and we expect them to be great at home, and then we expect them to be great as a mother. So there's a lot of expectations, but you can still sit down and say, well, what are my skills? What are my talents? What are my gifts? What are my abilities? The third part is, how significant do you feel? Now, this simply means, who needs you? How are you contributing? How are you making a difference? When we don't feel that anyone needs us, Lucia, we mm -hmm. feel completely insignificant and we feel worthless. Mm -hmm. But when we know that someone needs us, our children, our husband, um, a colleague, a friend, an elderly friend, someone sick, then we feel we have greater significance. I also teach that our ultimate satisfaction comes from being able to contribute and make a difference. 
from being able to serve, not just take, from being able to give, not just take. Wow. Well, those are three great points because, you know, everyone talks about self-esteem, but no one ever really thinks about how the heck they're going to raise their self-esteem. So I think those are really helpful. Well, yeah, and I want to add to that, Lucia, that a lot of people confuse self-esteem and arrogance. You know, you look at someone like Paris Hilton, <laughs> who is, you know, walking around with her head up in the air and always very, very much associated with artificiality and superficiality. Mm-hmm. So we think, oh, she must have healthy self-esteem. But there's a huge difference between arrogance, confidence, and self-esteem. Arrogance is, oh, I'm better than you, you're inferior, I'm superior. And that always comes from an inner, deeper place of inferiority. So the person that acts arrogant is usually quite insecure underneath. The person that's confident um, naturally knows who they are, what they want in life, and what their direction is, and what their identity is. The confident person says, okay, I've got a challenge in front of me, but I know that I can get through it no matter what. I'll be okay no matter what. When you have a healthy self-esteem, you also respect other people. And you respect yourself, you respect other people. And, you know, the point I made earlier about no one can love you more than you love yourself because you won't allow them simply comes down to this. And I know you've experienced this. You you meet someone new for the first time. It can be male or female. And you get a vibe from them. Mm-hmm. You get a vibe whether they feel good about themselves or whether they feel bad about themselves. When someone doesn't like themselves, they won't let you treat them good. This is where you find women who sabotage good relationships. They, they meet a man. The man's treating them really, really well. They've never been treated that well before. What does the woman do? She finds a way to push him away because at a subconscious level, she doesn't believe that she deserves to be treated that way. So then if a woman is in that situation, then what does she have to do? Does she have to raise her self-esteem using the three points you mentioned? Yeah, I mean, that, that's one way. The other way, of course, is to look... To, you know, to raise your self-esteem by also looking at, you know, what are you carrying from the past? Meaning, what are you taking from the past that makes you, at a subconscious level, think that you don't deserve to be loved? Or something from the past that programs you to think that being treated in a bad way equals love. Because a lot of us have a distorted version of love. Mm-hmm. And we think either arguments or, or heated debates or someone talking down to us is equivalent to love, and it's not. It can simply be that we were taught um, what we call sometimes negative love syndrome. That means that we've associated love with something that's negative, or we've associated simply with a twisted version of love. You know, a child ends up believing that love is whatever they've experienced with their parents. So they'll grow up thinking that that's love, even if it's completely unhealthy. And, you know, it might be where two people shout at each other or the man shouting or even the woman shouting because that's what she grew up with. So she thinks, oh, that's me expressing love because that's how my mother or father expressed it, even though it's not healthy. Right. Now, you mentioned abuse. So if someone was mentally, emotionally or physically abused as a child, then how is that going to affect their love life? Unfortunately, what happens is that if you're abused as a child, you grow up, again, thinking that, that's equivalent to love, mm-hmm. um, or you think that's what I deserve and that's who I am, and or you think, well, that's how people interact, that this is what I meant to receive, that you know, the, the social interaction, the way two individuals interact is through abuse. Um, for example, I remember having one client who ended up becoming a stripper and ended up in so many abusive relationships, <clears throat> and of course, she was abused as a child. Now, she wasn't sexually abused, but she was physically abused. And her father, even as young as age, age three, would pull down her pants and smack her bottom. Now, we might think, well, that doesn't sound so extreme, but that and a, f- a few other incidents led her to think that that's how she's meant to be treated. So she would tell me stories of, you know, she's with a man, she's in a relationship, a man becomes abusive and he's dragging her across the floor by her hair. Mm. Now, we, we think this is extreme, but where is it coming from? It's from the belief inside her that that's how she deserves to be treated but that's how the man will treat the woman. So if however you were raised will determine what you believe about yourself, what you believe you deserve, and what you believe the world is like, and therefore you'll keep attracting that until such time you go deeper and you change the original belief, you change the way you perceive life, and you change your beliefs about what you believe you deserve and how good you are or good enough you are. Right. And so does that mean someone needs therapy or is there another way to fix that? 
Um, you know, I try to avoid the word therapy if possible because often when we say therapy, people think that they're broken. Yeah. And it's not that they're broken and that there's something wrong with you. It's that there's something missing. And basically, it's self-love and self-respect or it's that you're carrying around all these negative emotions. Uh, I teach if you really... What's the right expression here? When you're really willing and you're ready, that right answer will come to you. And it might be a therapist, it might be a counselor, it might be a psychologist, it might be hypnosis, it might even be a book, it might be meditation, it might be prayer. Mm. Once you start to make the effort to say, I want to be free of the past, I want to be happy, I want to love myself, your mind not only changes, but you see things that you didn't see before. And that could be a book, that can be a message, it can be something you hear on the radio, it can be listening to your show, Lucia, and someone hears something that clicks. Right. Um, and if you, if you keep an open mind, meaning that I know what I want, I want to get help, I want to let be free of the past, you'll come across someone that will have those keys. And then all you need to do is ask yourself in your gut, that's your intuition, does this person feel right for me to help me with this challenge? And if you follow your gut, you'll be led to the right person. Wow, that's a great answer. <laughs> um, okay, <laughs> let's talk about <laughs> let's talk about men for for just a minute here. Now, um, you said in your book, men want someone like their mother. So, in what way does that mean? If she was nurturing, that they want someone nurturing, or what? Isn't that scary when you hear that? Yes. <laughs> Now, men aren't aware of this. Again, it's at a subconscious level, and it doesn't mean they want someone that looks like her. It means that they're going to repeat the dynamic they had as a child. If the, the mother really mothered them and was extremely nurturing, they'll tend to be attracted to the same kind of woman. If the mother was cold, they'll be attracted to that same sort of cold woman. So they end up repeating the pattern. And that also happens with women, too, that they end up attracting a man that sort of in many ways is similar to the dynamic they experienced with their father. Okay, so then would it behoove a woman, if she's interested in a man, <laughs> to find out what type of relationship he had with his mother and try to uh, mirror that? Well, I don't know that she should try to mirror that, but I think she should be careful that if he had an unhealthy relationship, he's probably still going to be unhealthy unless he's resolved that. Yeah, but it, I was just talking to a, uh, a TV producer a week ago in Los Angeles, and we were talking about this, and I, 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 I talked about both men and women, and I said, look at the, the the girl or the lady and look at how she is around her father because that's going to tell you who she really is. That's going to show all of her insecurities. The same applies to a man. If you meet a man and he's not kind and he's not gentle with his mother, then there's a good chance he's not going to be kind and gentle with you. Right. So, no, I, don't, I wouldn't say to a woman, look, try and be like his mother. No, but just be aware of what was his relationship and be aware that he's going to try to re repeat that, recreate it, unless he's so aware cognizant and hopefully evolved, that he's been able to move beyond that, and now he's looking for a healthy relationship. Right. Okay. And then you also said that men feel threatened when women don't know what they want. What do you mean by that? Yeah, this is a really interesting point. It's something that I teach men. I say to men, look, don't go out with a woman that doesn't know what she wants, because while she's with you, she's going to try and find out what she wants. And maybe she'll end up realizing that you're not what she wants or that she wants to live somewhere else or she wants to be doing a different kind of job or her values will change. When, and this really applies to men and women. You don't want to ever be with someone that doesn't know what they want because they're lost and they're confused and they can be easily misled. And again, it comes down to you think, well, this woman says or thinks that she wants children, or she doesn't want children, or she thinks she wants to live in a hot place like Miami, or maybe thinks she wants to live in a, in a place with snow like Denver. And then one day she, she wakes up and might be a year in the relationship or two years in the relationship, and she says, she says the opposite to what you thought she wanted. And it means that your relationship can't work out. It's always easier to have any kind of relationship, personal or business, with someone that knows what they want, someone that's clear about their goals and their identity, their desires, their values, their principles and their standards. It's very hard to be with someone who's lost mm -hmm. because then what happens is you're trying to become their mother or their father. You're trying to guide them and you may guide them to a place that they don't want to go. Or again, as I said at the very beginning, they may find out what they want and what they want is not you anyway or not the life you're offering. Right, right. Um, okay, let me ask you about this. It's not in the book, but it's a, since you're a behavioral therapist. Um, 
you know, my belief is that, you know, men who are quick to rush in, you know, into a relationship or into a dating situation where they try to move things a lot quickly, along quickly, they're usually the ones who are also just as quick to, to rush out. Do you agree with that? You know, I, I haven't thought about that before, but most likely yes, because um, the way you do anything is the way you do everything. But what you're talking about is someone that's either impulsive, someone that falls in love too easily, so therefore there's no depth, or someone that is ex overly spontaneous, meaning they're impulsive, um, or someone that doesn't doesn't think about what they want. So yeah, if someone's moving too quickly, there is a good chance that they might move out just as quickly. Right, yeah, because I'm always suspicious because, you know, I, I get emails from people and they go, well, I just met someone and then we, we were dating, we were seeing each other every day after two weeks and, and, and as soon as they mention that things are moving along quickly, I'm like, uh-oh, this is headed for disaster. Well, it could be unless the man is so clear about what he wants and the woman is and he says, I know what I want and you're what I want, that could be. But then again, if he's clear about what he wants, he'll simply state, look, I know that you're the person I want. I know that this is the relationship I want. And then if he's smart, he'll be able to, to proceed with the woman according to her pace too. She might need more time for different reasons. Maybe she's got some loose ends to tie up. Maybe she's just come out of a relationship. Uh, maybe she wants to proceed slowly before introducing the man to her children. You know, it depends on what the circumstances are. Right, right. I totally agree. Okay, and you also said in the book that, w and I'm glad you said this because I always knew it, but a lot of guys need to hear this. <laughs> and you said, women do not dress sexy so they can be hit on. Yeah, isn't it funny that we even have to discuss this because men are so silly sometimes. Maybe I could use a stronger word, but I won't. Um, the man meets the woman and she's dressed hot and sexy. And that's what's attracted him to her. Now when he gets in a relationship, he wants to change her. Now, generally, men don't want to change women, but that's one thing that insecure men do want to change about a woman. They say, okay, now I met you and you were dressed these slinky, sexy dresses, but I don't want you to dress like that anymore because I know you're going to attract other men. Now, the woman gets dressed up sexy and she's on her way to, the, uh, to meet a friend or maybe she's out shopping and he thinks, oh, you're out to meet someone else. You're trying to attract other people. And that's not necessarily the case because what men need to understand is Women dress to feel good about themselves. And women dress first to compete with other women before they, before they do it to get the attention of men. First and foremost, women, when women walk, walk in a room, they look at what other women are wearing before they look at, is a man looking at me? Right. <laughs> is that true or not? Yes. Absolutely. Okay, I'm guessing it's true because you're laughing. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, and also, and here's the other thing that you may may or may not know. It's like when we dress sexy, we also do that in case we happen to run across some guy we may be interested in, but we're dressing just for this guy. We actually don't want anyone else looking at it, looking at us, even though it's obviously unrealistic. And I'm glad that you're saying it, you know, as a woman, so that men hear it, that they don't think it's always, oh, I'm dressing sexy so I can attract and be appealing to every man. No, sometimes a woman's really just doing it for you. And I've said this to men too, you know, when you come home or you're in a relationship, there's your girlfriend, your partner or your wife, and she's just had her hair done and she's stressed up. Men are so stupid sometimes, they don't notice that she's doing it for him. And he'll say, how much did you pay for that haircut? Rather than saying, wow, you did this for me, or, you know, complimenting her, reassuring her, and then recognizing that the woman does want to look good for her man. And men do want that, but sometimes they're just not thinking, hey, she's doing this for me, because men can be extremely insecure and, and think, oh, she must be doing it for someone else. Right, right, exactly. Yeah, so I'm glad you mentioned that. Cause I haven't heard anyone else m mention the whole women dressing up thing before. Um, so moving along, now most of us, I don't know if I'm making a big general statement here, but a lot of people have fear of commitment, and you say that that is actually a fear of rejection. Yeah, it's funny. You wouldn't think that. You think fear of commitment means all I want is my independence, and it's true with men that men have fear of commitment on two levels. One, they fear losing themselves in the relationship, you know, losing their identity and individuality, but underneath that also is the fear that, well, will she reject me? Because the only reason I'm going to be really afraid to commit to you is that if I commit to you and I'm one-on-one -on -one and I open up and I ex express to you all of my fears, my vulnerabilities, then I'm much more vulnerable to you hurting me, which means you could actually obviously reject me and that would create great pain. 
So yes, men do also have a fear of rejection, as do women. And, and the only other reason a person may have a fear of commitment is if they have no idea what they, they want in life. Mm. Okay, yeah, because a lot of times people say, yeah, you know, um, men have fear of commitment or they're commitment phobes, but it's actually you're saying they just are afraid of getting rejected. Yeah, I really believe that. I mean, unless the man, you know, well, even then, even if the man says, oh, no, I'm an independent person, well, why are you so independent that you don't ever want a relationship? What are you ultimately afraid of? You know, usually, unfortunately, most of our behavior is motivated by fear. Mm. And it's a fear of something. You know, fear of being hurt, fear of being rejected, fear of being exposed as an imposter, fear of uh, realizing that we're not good enough, fear of someone walking out on us. Uh, for example, you know, the fear of abandonment as an adult is quite different to the fear of abandonment as a child. If, if for example, a, a man grew up in a household where the mother was never around, he's going to often have a fear that the wife is going to cheat on him, and the same applies to women. So if the parents weren't around, it's harder for a man growing up to be able to commit to something because no one committed to him. And he has a fear that, oh, you know, my mum wasn't there or my father wasn't there. Maybe it's my fault. Maybe there's something wrong with me. So when we become adults, we do everything we can to protect ourselves from feeling pain. Yes. And yet, of course, really what's happening is we're missing out on having a great relationship. Yes, I, I agree. And also, um, you said that men, if men just wanted sex, then they wouldn't get married. So it's obviously not true that they just want sex. Yeah, this is where women get confused because the men still want a lot of sex when they get married. They think, well, that's any reason you marry me. No, it's not. Because the men also realize that, oh, I'm probably not going to get as much sex when I get married, particularly if they've talked to other friends who already are married or they've talked to older people who are married and they realize, oh, priorities change, you're not going to have as much. A man chooses to marry a woman because he loves her and because he wants to build something with her. And I remember having this conversation with, with one of my my best friends from a few years ago, who's you know, a real man's man, and so he always has these funny, sexy jokes. And when he, he, he sort of tells me these jokes, I say, is this something you do with your wife? He goes, my wife? No, that's the mother of my children. I could never imagine her doing that. <laughs> <laughs> right? So there is, a, there is a different concept too, you know, and unfortunately that's what, uh, that's the whole concept behind pornography, that pornography is the idea that the woman's going to do what the wife never does. Right. So I just want to reiterate that point that men do marry for love. They don't marry for sex. They might be attracted to the woman that's, you know, dressed very sexually and is very sexually aggressive, but they'll very rarely marry her. And if they do, that doesn't last very long anyway because there's nothing else to keep them there. Yeah, exactly. Now, do you think it's possible for people to get burned out on sex and just want to give up? I mean, not on sex, sorry, on dating. Sorry, I didn't quite understand that. Say that again. Okay. Is it do you think it's possible for people to at some point do so much dating that they get burned out and they just want to give up? Yeah, of course that is. I mean, I think that applies to any area in life which year where if you keep um, longing for something, searching for something, working hard for something, and then you're not having success, it's very easy to, to become despondent and feel like hopeless and helpless and say, okay, I'm just giving up. And yeah, that is possible. I think particularly depending on what other stresses you have in your life, if you're looking at dating as a way to, you know, bring more enjoyment into your life and, and the actual process becomes very stressful and and very uh, unsatisfying, yeah, you'll give up on it because you'll get burned. You go, okay, I don't want to do this anymore. I've been meeting too many of the same kinds of guys or I'm meeting too many losers or I'm meeting these people that are lying or, you know, they're, they're not what their photo looks like or they're not who they said they are on their profile. You know, I think it's easy for people to become despondent. So what's the remedy for that? Do you think it's just take a step back, take a break, and regroup? I knew you were going to ask me that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think, well, you know, I think you've already given the right advice. Step one is if you are really feeling like you're burnt out, then yes, take a break for a while. And then the, the, the second most logical step is reevaluate your strategy because whatever you were doing in the past wasn't working. So you've got to change. And that doesn't mean there's something wrong with you. It just means the strategy you are using isn't working. So look at, well, how am I going about this? How am I doing this? What is, is it something about my profile? Is it the way that I'm presenting myself? Am I pretending to be something I'm not? Am I holding things back from this person? Am I lying? Am I not showing them my real photo? Um, Am I just answering too quickly or am I not answering quickly enough? You know, there are some women who say, oh, I want to wait for a while before I get to meet the man. If they're, if they're you know, dating online, mm -hmm. meeting they've met them online, 
no, 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 I don't want to rush and meet him. I want to get to know him. I want to have more exchanges of phone calls and emails and, and text messages. Then where you go wrong there is you've created this vision, this image, this picture in your mind of this person, and then you meet them, <laughs> and they're nothing like what you thought they were because you've created this false image that someone can't live up to. Um, and what I mean by that is we, we have this expectation, and then we meet them, and either they don't meet our expectation in our mind, or there's simply no chemistry. So on that point of online dating, I say once you feel that there's a connection and that there's an attraction and you've spoken a couple of times on the phone, try and meet this person as quickly and as safely as possible. Because that way you're going to find out whether there's chemistry. You and I can have chemistry over the phone, but mm -hmm. when we meet, there may not be the same chemistry. Right. Uh, absolutely. Because over the phone, the chemistry might be the chemistry might be more about the intellectual banter mm -hmm. and about the fact that we're talking about the same topic, but then we meet and there's no physical chemistry. There has to be some sort of physical chemistry. There has to be magnetic attraction. Otherwise, what happens if these two people enter into a serious relationship, always, they always feel like they're missing out on something. Oh, I love my partner, but I'm not in love with my partner. That means you're not excited. And you want to be excited if you're going to be in a relationship. You want to have some excitement. Well, a lot of excitement, not just some excitement. <laughs> All right. Thank you for saying that. Oh, yeah. Otherwise, what's the point? Um, yeah. And also, I think on the phone, it's easier for people to talk because obviously you have to because you're on the phone. And so it's easy to be more talkative on the phone. And then when you meet, uh, a lot of people are quieter in person, don't you find? That's also true. You know, some people have greater confidence over the phone and others don't. But what you're talking about is, is really significant that once I meet you, you know, maybe you're going to be talking differently. Maybe you're going to notice your body language, and I don't like the way you, you, your, your body expresses itself. Maybe I notice that you're not hygienic. So maybe I'm attracted to you, but I go, oh, look at his, you know, if I'm a woman, look at his fingernails. Mm -hmm. Or look at his shirt, or uh, he's got holes in his socks. Now, I don't know how you're going to know that unless you <laughs> take off his shoes. But, um, you know, maybe, maybe you notice something about him that you think, well, this person's not clean, or they're not hygienic, or they've got bad breath, or they're not healthy, or they're not well-groomed, or, wow, you know, you and I could be best friends, but I just don't feel anything else. There was that movie with Catherine Heigl, um, oh. I don't know if it was it 27 Dresses, yeah. where she's in love with her boss, and she's completely infatuated. And then one day she finally gets to kiss him, and they both go, I didn't feel anything. Then they kiss each other a second time to make sure, and they both say the same thing, I didn't feel anything. And... This is something that I don't know if I said in this book, but I know I said in one of my other books, that women determine whether they want to sleep with a man based on the way he kisses. Now, the significance of that is that a woman can also measure her connection to a man via the kiss. You know, is there passion in the kiss? Is there meaning? Is there tenderness? Whatever the woman's looking for. So, you know, it, it's, you can't just decide this is the person based on correspondence, emails, and phone calls. You have to meet the person. You have to interact. You have to be around them. And, and then you know, well, how do I feel around them? Maybe I feel really uncomfortable. Maybe I don't feel safe. Maybe I feel like I can't trust this person. Maybe this person's a great charmer over the phone, but when I meet them, I actually realize the charm is, is a manipulation. It's manipulative. It's not real charm. Yeah. So, yes, you've got to, got to see the person. You've got to meet the person in person. Um, and yeah, it's true what you say about the kiss because boy, you know, you could be attracted to someone and then you kissed him and there's nothing and you're like, what the hell happened? Yeah, and then, then, then just accept it. You know, you're not a failure. It's just, it's not a match. That's all. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's not a match. Um, so why are we attracted to uh, why are we attracted to people who play games? Um, I think generally speaking, because we're bored in life. <laughs> I mean, I. I I'd have to, to say to someone, okay, what is it about the game that's attracting you? Is it because you want that excitement? Is it because you like the power struggle? Is it because you like a challenge? Is it because you're afraid and so you hide behind the games? I mean, the games prevent two people from becoming intimate. They prevent two people from really getting to know each other. Um, again, maybe depending on what kind of the game is it. Is it an, is it an intellectual game? Is it a you know, mental game? What, what, what is the game that this person's playing? What is the benefit you're getting out of the game? Is it a way of you avoiding intimacy? These are the kind of questions I'd be asking myself. And then saying, well, what would it be like if there wasn't the game and there was real love? You know, there can still be excitement. You know, there can be surprises. The person can surprise you with a text or a present or showing up. And that, that's excitement. 
but that's not the same as a game where someone, you know, says, oh, I'll call you in, in, in an hour, but then doesn't call you for a day. Right. And then you're wondering and thinking. Or someone's saying, or, or, or there's you and someone else, and he's trying to decide. That's not healthy. So then that would fall under, so then game playing would fall under the category of um, power struggle. It could definitely be about a power struggle. Yeah, if you're playing a game, you're like, okay, who's going to have the upper hand here? That's because both, if both people are playing this game and they're both afraid of letting go and they're both afraid of losing control and they're both trying to control. You know, if I'm playing the game rather than being played, then I'm trying to control and manipulate because I'm afraid what will happen if I let go. And I want to control the other person because I'm afraid that I might be rejected or something will go wrong. Um, so therefore I must control. Whenever there's a power struggle and the man's trying to control the woman, which it often is, it can be the other way around, but mm -hmm. usually male trying to control the woman, that comes from a place of fear. So let's say they're both, you know, trying, they're struggling for control. So it's like warfare between two countries. Who's going to win? So what do you do if you're caught in this power struggle? Well, step one is to become aware that you're actually in the power struggle and then ask yourself, how is this, how is this affecting me? How is this affecting my relationship? Do I feel better or do I feel insecure? Is it stressing me out? Is it making me ill? Is it making me anxious? Is it making me afraid? Is it stopping me from being who I really am? Is it wasting my energy? You know, if you're wasting my energy playing games, then you lose it. You, that's energy that you could be giving to something else in your life, whether it's work, career, children, family, or friends, and it's energy that you could be giving to the relationship in a more empowering way. So step one, become aware that you're playing the power game. Step two, how is it affecting you? Step three, what am I afraid of? What would happen if I stopped playing the power game? Now, if you stop playing the power game, it's harder for the other person to play it. So let's say the woman now realizes, oh, we're both playing a power game. Now, she can turn around. Once she's done the first three steps, she can turn to the man and say, look, I know that this is a game. You know, this is a power struggle. You're, you're trying to control me or this is a power struggle and I'm not going to play into it. Just sometimes calling someone out in their game mm -hmm. is enough to at least be very close to neutralizing the game. So now, that person may then become so frustrated they can't play the game anymore that they leave you or they go somewhere else. Well, then you know that you're never going to have a relationship with this, a healthy relationship with this particular person. So then let's say someone says, I'll call you in an hour, like you said, but then they don't call till the next day, and they do that several times. So then how should, how should you handle that situation? Um, I think that, you know, whether it's an email or the next time I get them on the phone and say, okay, three days in a row, you, or you told me three days ago you're going to call me now, and you haven't called me day one, day two, and this has happened three times. Is there a reason this is happening? Now, notice how I haven't accused anyone. I've just asked a question. Mm. Now, it's not easy to ask that question when you're really angry, you're hurt, and you feel rejected and you feel stupid. But if you can start off with that and say, is there a reason that this is happening? Or are you aware of this? Now, if you play that neutral hand, then the person has to come up and say, oh, I forgot. Then you say, okay, I'm concerned because you've forgotten three times. And then get a commitment out of them. So then if they're not even saying sorry and they don't even care, then you, then you turn around and say, okay, well... I feel really stupid or I feel like you're ignoring me because, or I feel like I'm insignificant to you. I don't mean anything to you because you've told me you call me now and you forgot about me for three days. How is that possible? But this is, oh, look, I'm really sorry. Such and such happened in my life, etc., etc. Then, if that person does say they're sorry, then you say, okay, well, you do promise not to do this again. Now, if the person isn't willing to say, okay, I promise I won't do this again, then they're either telling you they don't want to change or they don't care. Mm -hmm. And then you've got to make a decision. So again, we're talking about people that are dating. So, you know, one of the greatest fears we have is, is accepting that this date or this relationship isn't going to work. Why? If it's not going to work, it's not going to work. It's like you go and test a car. You go, oh, I don't like this car. It's not for me. It looked great from the outside. When I started driving, it didn't work. It doesn't feel good. Well, you walk away. You don't have to buy it. It's the same thing with a relationship. Not that you're buying a relationship, but you're still making a commitment. And if it's okay to say, look, you know, uh, Paula and I met Paula and Paula and I don't get along. We don't match. You know, we, we have some fun, but we're, we're not a match. That doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with you or her. It just means you're not a match for each other. You're not suited to each other. Your personalities, your temperaments, your values, or whatever. Accept that and walk away. It doesn't mean you fail. It just means you're not suited to each other. That's all. Right. Yeah, it's just hard to look at it that matter-of-factly when you're actually in it and maybe you're having sex and maybe you have feelings for this person to just say, oh, okay, we're not a match, goodbye. 
Oh, no, that, that's a really good point, Lucia. Look, once, if you're in a relationship and, and now it's, it's also taken a, you know, it's at the level where there's a sexual relationship and a sexual connection, yeah, it's not as black and white as I'm saying where you simply go, oh, okay, mate, I'm out of here. <laughs> no, it's not as simple. You're exactly why. Um, because your emotions are involved. And particularly if you're a woman, and I, say, I mentioned this in my book, oxytocin is playing a role in this. Oxytocin is a hormone and chemical that's released in the body when a woman is breastfeeding, when she gives birth, when she has orgasm, and when she's nurturing. And that's what makes you feel closer to the person next to you. So every time a woman has sex, she's feeling closer and closer to the man. So yes, it is harder to walk away. But you still got to look at it and say, okay, how much pleasure am I getting out of this and how much pain am I getting out of this? And it might be hard to walk away now that you've, you've already given some energy and time for this, but then you've still got to look at it almost in objective terms and say, look, I'm so attracted to this man. We do have a lot of fun, but here's all the pain I'm experiencing. Do I want to still feel this in five years' time? Or would I prefer to give my energy towards finding someone that I'm going to have a better relationship with? If you are still attracted with a person that's unhealthy for you, that's when you need to go and say, okay, what is my challenge? What are my beliefs that are attracting me to someone that is not healthy for me? Why am I willing to accept this? Do I not, do I not believe that I deserve better? You know, is it that, for example, when you talked about someone sending a call or not calling back, so they're letting you down and disappointing you, they're not keeping their word, you might ask yourself, well, was that how my parents were? Was my father or mother like that? Did they not keep their word? Oh, yeah, my dad would say he would show up to my game or to my recital or to something, and he didn't. And maybe you're repeating that pattern. So have a look at that because it might be something deeper or it might be something as simple as, hey, this guy's just not good and he's, you know, he's not respectful. It's time to let go. Right. And uh, continuing with the power struggle topic, now you said that a power struggle comes out in many ways, which I'm about to name, but it's like looking at all these ways that it comes out, it's like that means everybody's always in a power struggle because you mentioned controlling, criticism, jealous, cheating, workaholic, casual dating, playing games, and bragging. Yeah, and I'm, and I'm glad that you're actually revealing those because they're all really important to say what are the different ways that your partner might be, or your date, might be trying to stop you from being you. That means try to shrink you as a person, try to make you feel that you're not that special. Now, whether the other person's bragging about how great they are, whether they're, as you said, they're jealous, whether the person's, you know, a workaholic, so they're saying, you know what, I'm going to work, 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 and so you don't even have much of me, much time or much of my attention. And then there's the other ones you've listed as well. Yeah, because this just seems to be the... Um the M.O. for relationships these days. Yeah, and I think that's, again, it always comes from fear, let's say, the fear of, you know, if I give myself wholeheartedly to this person, what will happen? So therefore what I'll do is I'll withhold. I'll withhold giving love, and therefore I'll withhold receiving love. And neither person really feels good about it. Some women will put on weight as a way of withholding uh, or protecting themselves rather than withholding love protecting themselves. Someone will actually become fat as, mm. as a symbol of a wall around themselves and then saying, well, what man would be attracted to me? Because what they're afraid of is trust and ultimately when I trust, my trust will be betrayed or violated. Right. Um, so then how does one overcome this? Do you think that, okay, you just have to um, take a leap of faith and say, okay, I'm not going to be controlling, I'm not going to play games, I'm going to show this person that they can trust me, that I am interested in them, and then hopefully they're evolved enough to see that and stop playing themselves? Well, there's quite a few questions that I want to try and answer. I mean, step one is always a cause of awareness. So are these games happening? You know, where are these games happening? Uh, and I'm, I'm referring to the power struggle yeah. as being these games. Right. So if this power struggle is occurring, you're going to call out your partner and say, look, I'm aware of what's happening here. Um, I want us to have a different kind of relationship. I want us to be more open with each other. Now, if your partner just shuts you down and goes, oh, that's stupid, you're an idiot. Uh, what are you talking about? Then you might want to step back for a while or for a moment and then see if you can approach the same topic again from a different angle. Maybe that person isn't good at communicating. But again, if they're not good at communicating, if they're not willing to see that there is a power struggle, if they're not willing to look at the relationship, then they're also telling you the relationship's not a priority. And maybe it's more of a priority for you than the other person. 
there always does tend to be in every relationship one person that sort of has a little more power than the other. That's true. Right. But when, it, when the, the scales are tipped to an extreme, you're never going to feel safe. So yes, awareness, uh, talk to them about it, uh, offer some solutions. You know, what is the solution? Like saying to them, maybe, you know, if, whether it's the man or the woman that's playing the power struggle, the other person needs to reassure them and say, look, I'm here, I love you, I'm not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. And find out, you know, maybe sort of say, look, is there something you want to talk to me about? Is there... And maybe simply asking questions, finding out more about the, the person's past without overly prying and hearing every past single girlfriend and boyfriend. Finding out a little bit more about the past. Maybe they've been injured. Maybe they've been hurt. Maybe they've been betrayed. And so therefore they do everything to control. For example, children who grew up in a family of alcoholics will become adults who are very controlling. And the reason that is is because they felt that as children they had to keep it all together or they had to do things to avoid, you know, say dad was an alcoholic, Mm -hmm. to avoid dad going off the rails or to avoid dad from hitting, shouting, screaming, smashing things. So that child will grow up and tend to be very controlling in relationships because they're afraid of losing control because if they lost control as a child, dad might go crazy. Right. So the more you can learn about yourself, the more you can learn about your partner, the greater relationship you'll have. Um, okay, and then one more thing about this whole uh, power thing. When someone um, is bragging or they're trying to make you jealous, is that always a sign of their insecurity? Yeah, it is. It's a, and it's a horrible, mean, nasty thing to do because if it's ever done to you, you know what it feels like. You know, it's okay to tease your partner occasionally, but be play- in a playful way, that is. But when you're trying to make someone jealous, what you're really saying is, I don't feel good enough for you, therefore I have to tell you, oh, look at this other woman who keeps calling me. Look at this other woman who keeps chasing me. Oh, look at this hot, sexy woman and she wants me. What I'm trying to say to you is that I don't feel good enough for you. Because if I felt good enough for you, if I felt secure, why would I need to tell you that? Why do I need to make you feel bad so that you think, oh, I'm lucky to be with Patrick? No, that's not good. That's not healthy. The same applies to bragging. Bragging is simply a way of hiding and masking our insecurities. If, if you ever have, and I'm sure you have, met someone in your life that you feel just naturally confident, they're not bragging, they're no. not putting you down, they're not trying to tell you how great they are, no. they just are who they are. They act, walk, talk very comfortably, and they have a sincere interest in you. And this is something that I teach men, and I say to men, Man, if you really, really want to make sure you feel you're secure in the relationship, and if you want to make sure your one never leaves you, then do the opposite. Not by telling her, oh, I'm not good enough for you, by telling her how great and wonderful she is. Because the more special you make a woman feel, the more special she wants you to feel. If you reassure her that she's beautiful and she's the only one for you, um, that you treasure her and she's number one, she's your number one priority in life, and if you listen to her, pay attention, and you be with her and if you respect her body and if you express empathy and compassion and you stop giving her advice except when she really asks you for advice then you're allowing her to blossom to be who she is when a woman feels that she can be herself around you she feels safe to trust you then she wants to be around you because she feels special and unfortunately men don't get this they think well the only way I can have her the only way I can be with her and not lose her is by controlling her by by cramming her into this box. But what happens, just like a spring, you keep cramming it, one day it pops out, Mm. and then it just goes. So the more you try to compress the woman and shrink her and control her, the more she's going to rebel one day. may not be for a few years, and once you lose her, she's gone. But if you really want to have a secure relationship and know that your woman's devoted to to you, then give her what she needs. And there's two things, two points here. I teach men, stop trying to be right, and just focus on being happy, you idiots. I get really frustrated. <laughs> because men are very cause and effect. They go, well, why do I have to put the toilet seat down? That's not right. And I said, well, what do you want to be? you want to be right and have arguments or would you like to be happy? Put the bloody toilet seat down. It really isn't that hard for you, is it? Rather than having stupid arguments with your wife or your girlfriend or your partner. I mean, how dumb is that? Same thing applies to toothpaste forever. Make a little extra effort. But the girl will say, well, why does it have to be me? Why isn't that her? Well, again, you can be right or you can be happy. 
And then, you know, and that's a, that's a really, really important point. You know, focus on on being happy rather than being right. Take the initiative. Exactly. I was going to make a second point, but I think it slipped my mind. <laughs> but, but I think that, 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 that's, a, that's a critical point when it comes to men. Don't focus on being right. Focus on being happy. And that, and really, you can apply that to any area in your life because sometimes you'll be right and it won't equal being happy. Yeah, absolutely. So then one final question. So if a woman is with a man who's bragging, who's trying to make her jealous, then how should she handle that? Um, reassure him and say to him, uh, depending on what he's saying, you know, maybe not in that moment, just let him say it, and then later come and reassure him and tell him, you know, honey, I love you, you're the only one for me. I have no interest in anyone else. I don't care how many other women look at you. Oh, okay. I did have a client who had a very... I did have a client who had a very similar situation and he would do that to his wife. And then I, when I spoke to him, I said to him, well, how would you like if she did that to you? I said, how would you like if she came up and said, oh, I was in the gym and this hot, hunky guy was checking me out and asking me my number. I said, how would you like it? You wouldn't like it, would you? Now, it's hard for a woman to say that to her partner because of the way he might rebel. But if you can at least reassure him and then see what happens. And so I teach the same thing to men and women. Reassure your partner when they least expect it. Mm. Don't do it when they're asking you for it. Do it when they least expect it. Because then it sounds more natural. So if a woman comes up and says, do I look fat in this dress? And you go, no, honey, you look perfect. She's still going to go, oh, you're just saying that. But if later, that means, you know, when you're not, when she's not expecting you, go, honey, you look great in that dress. Mm. Perfect. And, you, and you're not doing it because, you're not doing it because you're trying to get her into bed or have sex. You're just doing it like a, off the cuff remark. Oh wow, honey, you look great in that dress. And then you keep walking on. You go to the kitchen or you make your coffee. Whatever you're going to do. <laughs> and she's like, "Huh? What just happened?" Right, right. Wonderful. Okay. That, that's how. You, that's how you reassure each other when there's no ulterior motive. Wonderful. So let's end on that note. And uh, again, the name of the book is "Get the Man You Want." The website is Patrick Wanis, W-A-N-I-S dot com. Of course, we'll have the link on the LA Talk Radio page, and uh, enjoy your visit in Australia, Patrick, and thanks so much for being on. It was fun. Lucia, my pleasure, and thank you very much for the opportunity to spread a positive message. Okay. Take care. Thank you. Bye. Okay. Thank you so much for joining me today. Remember that you can sign up for my free weekly newsletter at theartoflove.net. You can read an excerpt from my book, Lucia's Lessons of Love, at LessonsOfLove.net. And uh, until next time, remember that love inspires, empowers, uplifts, and enlightens. You're listening to The Art of Love with your host, Lucia, right here on L.A. Talk Radio. 